from Luke chapter 1, 39 to 80. Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet 
of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guard our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Catherine. That was a big chunk of scripture today, uh, but at least we know that that part of the service is inerrant. It is without error. And anything I say, well, I can't offer that guarantee. Thank you so much for your gift. Um, I don't deserve to be the pastor here, and I certainly don't deserve uh, that, that gift of kindness. Our, our family doesn't, but thank you so much. Uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your grace, thank you for your word, thank you for this story, this very detailed story of the birth of Christ. It's one of the reasons we trust that this story is true, and we're so grateful. So thank you for putting it in the heart and in the mind of Luke 2,000 years ago to write, and thank you that it is a real story. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, today I wanted to talk a little bit about good news. So the certain gospel, the, the true good news, it's uh, good news we can rely on. Uh, and we all kind of respond to good news differently or to news, right? So uh, you, you, you approach a sign in the mall and it says, free puppies. Like your kids are going to be excited, right? Your kids are like, let's have a puppy, free puppies. And you're going to be like, this is bad news. We don't want the free puppies. Or how about this? Mom and dad, I got into my first choice of college. And it's the private expensive one. That is good news for the child, perhaps bad news for the parents. How about this one? The verdict is not guilty. That is good news for the defendant. That's actually bad news for the plaintiff. In Luke chapter 1, we read how two different people respond to pretty much the same news, very similar good news messages, and they respond differently. The first person is Zechariah, and he receives the news that he's going to have a son, and this son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then the second person is Mary. She, she receives the news that she's also going to have a son, and he is going to be the Messiah. But this news is kind of hard to believe, right? Zechariah is not a young man. Elizabeth, his wife, is not young. They are elderly. Uh, they are barren. They have not been able to conceive. And then Mary, well, she's a virgin. Uh, she is not married yet, so of course she can't have a child. So they, they receive this miraculous good news, and there's two different responses that we're going to be looking at in today's service. Now, chances are, as we think about ourselves, you know, 2,000 years later, in 2017, you have probably not received 
uh, you know, an angel appearing to you to say that you were going to be with child. You should name this child John or Jonathan after your pastor. You've probably not received that. Maybe you have. Uh, but there's still plenty to celebrate, right? Because we've received good news. And you can actually see, like, the good news all around the sanctuary, the tree. That's celebrating the good news. Our, our Christmas decorations, uh, even the cross, they celebrate good news, the birth of Christ Jesus, and so how are we going to respond? And there's not just those good news. There's also all the other good news uh, messages throughout the scriptures, the different promises of God that God applies to us in our lives. How are we going to respond to the, to the whole good news, the good news of Christ? See, at Christmas, there's plenty to celebrate, right? But maybe there are a few Charlie Browns out there. <laughs> You go through the Christmas season and you maybe feel a little overwhelmed, <laughs> a little overwhelmed by the consumerism or the busyness, or your heart just doesn't want to celebrate Christmas. And so that makes it a lot harder to receive the good news and believe, doesn't it? And it makes it hard to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Every Christmas, it's like right after Thanksgiving, I, I, my heart, I have to check my heart and say, you know, what's this Christmas going to be about? Is this Christmas going to be about like getting all those things I want or giving cool gifts or is it going to be about the birth of Christ Jesus? And maybe you're also kind of wrestling with that uh, even as we're approaching Christmas. What is this Christmas going to be about, Christ or something else? I think Zechariah, he struggled in his heart too. And there's a reason that Luke gives us this passage so that we can look at someone who struggled to receive good news the right way. See, Zechariah, he's a doubter. Go ahead and go to the second slide here. Zechariah the doubter, and this is verses 5 through 25. I kind of want to go through the story. I know that we read it, uh, but here's the story. So in the time of King Herod, uh, maybe 4 B.C. or a little bit earlier, there was a priest. His name was Zechariah. And he had a wife named Elizabeth. And both of them were good people. Now, they weren't good people because they did nice things. They were good people because they, they knew God and they followed God and they sought to, to love God through obeying him, his, his decrees. And God considered both, uh, both Zechariah and Elizabeth righteous. That means they were pleasing to God. There was a problem in their life, and this was a pretty glaring problem. They were childless. They were barren, and this is a, a huge sign of like not being blessed in that culture. And both of them were elderly. But one day, Zechariah, he's chosen by Lot, which to us appears to be chance, like just rolling the die, but God controls all things, and he chooses that Zechariah is going to go into the temple and offer a, an offering of incense before the Lord. And when he does, he goes into the temple, and the angel Gabriel appears to him. And this must be terrifying, because he's afraid. And the angel says to him, he says, you don't need to be afraid. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This angel appears to them and says, you're going to have a child, and this is going to be a special child. 
And this message is actually not that hard to believe. If you look back at the story of the Bible, we see all these famous couples that were infertile, that God gave children. Think back to Abraham and Sarah. God gave them Isaac. Manoah and his wife in the book of Judges, he gave them Samson. Hannah received Samuel. It's like all these dramatic points in the scripture. There's, there's, there's these infertile, barren couples that God then gives a child. And this child is always very significant. See, the, the special person, whether it's a prophet or a leader or the Messiah, it's always an act of God's grace. God does it. He brings life out of death. And this, this John, he's going to be special in that he is going to fulfill in other words, he's going to walk in the path of a prophet named Elijah. He's going to be like the New Testament version of Elijah, who was a prophet and spoke God's truth. This little baby, this little baby boy is going to be a miracle baby. He's going to be the second Elijah. And this is incredible news for Zechariah because up until this point, he's never had a son. Hasn't had someone who's going to take care of him and his wife in their elderly age. But does Zechariah believe? How does he respond? (laughs) A little bit like Charlie Brown. Zechariah asked the angel, he said, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Zechariah just looks up at the angel and he says, prove it. (laughs) Prove it. You say, I'm going to have a child, well, prove it. I hate it when, like, little kids say that to me, like, prove it. Ah. And I think the angel kind of responds that way, too, doesn't he? The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. See, he reveals the true heart in Zechariah, unbelieving, prove it, which will come true at their their appointed time. Zechariah asks for a sign as if, like, the angel standing in the temple is not a sign enough. And the punishment, there's like a consequence. The angel says, Zechariah, you're going to be silent and not able to speak. Now, up until this year, Uh, I always thought, okay, so Zechariah could kind of hear what's going on around him, but he can't speak. And as I studied a little bit more, I actually think he couldn't hear either. I think he was deaf and mute. And we can see this if we look ahead to verse 62. It says that they had to make signs to get Zechariah's attention. Why would they have to make signs to him if he could hear? See, I think he was cast into complete silence as a consequence for his unbelief. And he leaves the temple in that silence, in that deafness, in that muteness, not being able to speak, not being able to hear, just his own thoughts. And I think he leaves us with two messages today. The first one is that doubt can turn into disbelief. I think it's okay to wrestle with doubt. We're all going to go through times in our life where we're going to doubt whether this Jesus is true. I think it's okay to wrestle with doubt. I just don't think it's okay to lose the wrestling match. (laughs) 
See, there's like a, there's a doubt monster in all of us, a Mr. Hyde of sorts, <laughs> that wants to take over to transform us into someone that does not believe. We can't let him win. He wants to change us from doubters, uh, from believers to doubters to unbelievers. I want to go the other way. See, Zechariah, he had literally just received news, good news, that he had waited his entire life for. The good news that his wife is going to be pregnant. And he'd obviously prayed about it at some point along the way. But then he stopped believing. He stopped hoping. He stopped holding on to God. Somewhere along the line, his doubt smothered his belief. And when, when we let our doubt smother our belief, we hear the good news that God came into this world through the birth of a baby, and we say, prove it. <laughs> We hear that God cares about us enough to come and live among us, and we say, so what? Doubt can turn into disbelief, and the consequences of disbelief is silence. See, if we're, if we're, if we're giving into our doubt, we can, after a while, expect to hear silence, <laughs> And when God tries to speak to us, we'll say, no, no, God, you're silent. I don't want to hear from you. Uh, What we think will happen becomes what actually happens. Uh, We don't know exactly what happened in this next gap, whether or not uh, uh, Zechariah figured out some way to tell Elizabeth the news or they just got pregnant and that's how she figured it out. But part of me likes to think that he would have wanted to share the news. I think she would have been asking, what happened in there? Why can't you hear? And so maybe he would have written it down. And he, and he would not be able to hear her cries of joy. He would not be able to hear her laughter. He would not be able to deliver this news with his own lips. See, the consequence of disbelief is not getting to share the good news. See, when we don't believe the message of Christ, we don't get to share the message of Christ. When we don't believe in the promises of God, we don't get to share those promises. Because maybe you're not a Charlie Brown, but there are Charlie Browns everywhere. And they need to hear the message of hope at Christmas time. They need to know that God works everything for good for those who love him in times of suffering and trial. Zechariah doesn't believe. And there are consequences. The consequence is silence. If we read something on Facebook that we like, uh, that we, we're like, oh, we see this great picture, or this great article, what do we do? We share it. <laughs> we like it, and then we share it. And that's what we're called to do with the gospel, with the good news, to, to receive it and not be silent. Zechariah doesn't believe, but the story doesn't start with him. It doesn't stop with him, thankfully. See, next we go to Mary. Mary, the believer. The story continues. This same angel, the angel Gabriel, appears to a a teenage girl named Mary in the town of Galilee, this backcountry nowhere. Uh, This teenage girl has made a promise to Mary, Joseph, but Gabriel delivers God's message that God has other plans. He says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And just like Zechariah, Zechariah, she is freaked out. She is afraid. It must be really scary to meet an angel. 
Gabriel says this. He says, you, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Gabriel has just delivered the most amazing news that the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he is coming and Mary gets to be this child's mother. This is the most amazing news anyone has ever received. And how does she receive it? She says this. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. See, there's a difference between how Zechariah responds and how Mary responds. Zechariah responds by saying, prove it. And Mary responds by saying, explain it. (laughs) That's a heart attitude that's different, right? A teachable heart. A heart that wants to hear the good news. It doesn't understand how this good news could be possible. I don't understand it. I believe that I'm going to have a a child. and It's going to be through the Holy Spirit, I guess, or through some some miracle. (laughs) Can you explain it to me? And the angel is kind of like a savvy lawyer or a savvy politician. He just kind of avoids the question. He says, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you will be with child. That's the end of the story. And Mary believes. She affirms. She says, okay, okay, I'm your servant. And yet, I think she gets a little nervous because she does end up leaving. But she believes no matter what's going on. There are two lessons here that we, uh, we can take away. And the first one that kind of talks about believers. Mary the believer. Believers hear good news and have faith despite their circumstances. This is what it means to be a Christian. To believe no matter whether life is good or life is tough. I, I don't think Mary's belief is dependent on her circumstances. She's supposed to get married and in that culture, if you have a baby before your, your, your marriage, like that's a, that's a pretty significant thing. Joseph would assume that she committed adultery, and he, he assumes that later in, I think it's Matthew. And so she runs away. She goes to stay with Elizabeth. But despite all of this, she believes. Sometimes it's hard to believe the good news of Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to believe in the promises of God. I grew up with, uh, for a couple of years, uh, with a, a boy named Jordan. Uh, he grew up, moved away, uh, his family moved away, and he eventually married a, a wonderful woman named Ariel. And a couple of years later, they got pregnant, and they had a baby, baby Eddie. Uh, he is now seven months old, I think. Uh, but five months ago, so two months after they had a, Eddie, uh, they received news that Ariel had cancer. Like really aggressive cancer. And nowhere in scripture does God promise that he will take away our cancer. He promises that he will take away our sins if we trust in Christ. He doesn't promise healing in this life. So instead of clinging to perhaps that promise, they they clung to the promises of God, to the good news of Christ Jesus and all he means for us in the scriptures. And in our bulletins today, you should have an insert with a list of the promises of God. I want to encourage you to take it home, put it in your wallet. Uh, Jordan actually wrote this list. 
and he's kept it in his wallet as he navigated like the treatment. These, these promises of God, he put in the form of a praise, of a thank you. Thank you, God, that you are for me and not against me. Thank you, God, that you are jealous, that you jealously desire relationship with me. Thank you, God, that you just want to be with me. That was the verse I read. Thank you, God, that I am no longer a slave to sin, but a son and daughter in your eyes. Thank you that because of what you did, I have confidence and joy to draw near your presence. Thank you, God, that you have given me everything I need for life and godliness. Thank you, God, that you don't call me a servant, but a friend. Thank you, God, that you don't put fear on me, but have given me love, power, and self-discipline. Thank you, God, that I can consider myself dead to sin and alive in you. See, there is good news this Christmas. There is the good news 2,000 years ago of the birth of Christ Jesus. But there's also good news throughout the scripture that continues to minister to our hearts that can give us joy in this Christmas season, no matter your circumstances. God does not promise us a child if we're wrestling with infertility. He does not promise us a job if we're jobless. He does not promise us health if we're sick. He does not promise that your relationship will work out if it's going through a difficult time. But he does give you all of these promises. I am for you. I am not against you. Notice how great that promise is, and it's not dependent on your circumstances. I am for you. I am not against you. And the, the holiday we celebrate that on is Christmas and then also Easter. <laughs> Our God is for us, not against us. And what does this do? What does this do for our hearts? Well, this leads us to believe, right? To to rejoice. This is when we can defeat Mr. Hyde. (laughs) We can wrestle him down, not with our strength, but with the promises of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are a friend of God. And this leads us to believe the good news and have faith despite our circumstances, and this leads us into worship. See, the reward of belief is hopeful praise. Clinging to these promises, to these promises of God, allowed Jordan and Ariel to praise God in the treatment, and they continue to, to praise God as she is currently disease-free. But these Promises will still remain true if this disease ever returns. Mary goes and she visits her, her, her relative Elizabeth. Uh, you know, that must have been one of the only people she could talk to. That, like, yeah, an angel appeared to me. Me too. Well, my husband. And she ends up singing a song of praise we call the Magnificant. And it starts like this. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary bursts into a song of praise. (laughs) 
And if you go and you look at these verses, I'd encourage you to like read it and, and, and look at it again this Christmas. If you go and you focus on them, this, this passage is all about how God lifts up the Charlie Browns. <laughs> God takes the low of the world and raises them up. Mary is like the first and foremost of them. She is lowly and not, like, uh, not of high stature, and God raises her up through Christ Jesus. And he can do that for each of us this Christmas. He raises us up. Mary sings a song of praise that like the people of God, (laughs) throughout the story of the Old Testament, they sing songs of praise too when God delivers them. When when God brought the, the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, he brought them through the Red Sea. And then what happens? Moses sings a song of praise and Miriam sings a song of praise. And then they get to the land of Canaan and they disobey God. So like surrounding nations come on them and attack them and fight them. And this is the book of the Judges. And God delivers the people of Israel through a woman named Deborah. And then what does Deborah do? Deborah sings a song of praise. And then we get to Hannah. God brings the the prophet Samuel. And after God gives her a child, delivering her and someone who will lead Israel, she sings a song of praise. Mary and Moses and Deborah and Hannah, they all sang when they recognized the deliverance of God. Do you want to sing? (laughs) Because we have our deliverer. Our deliverer has come. Our deliverer came in a small baby boy, born 2,000 years ago so that he could live a perfect life for you, for your sins, and so that he could place himself on the cross and die a terrible death so that you don't have to. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And this is more good news because if you believe in him, If you repent of your sins and put your faith in him, one day you're going to rise again too. Doesn't that make you want to sing? (laughs) Our deliverer has come. Our king has come. And this good news can change our hearts. But I know we all don't always want to sing, right? Uh, Like singing is not like one of my gifts or uh, like if you stand near me any week, I'm sure the Pender family is very aware right now of of my singing. And singing is especially hard uh, when you're feeling like a Charlie Brown at Christmas time, right? And so if you're not like a Charlie Brown this Christmas, would you sing just a little bit louder to help those around you who maybe, maybe are struggling? But if you are feeling down, would you still sing? Because sometimes it's the act of worship. It's the act of joyful praise that actually makes you joyful (laughs) and gives you a heart to worship God. See, there's still good news in this story. Yeah, we talked about Zechariah the doubter and Mary the believer. But God gives grace to doubters. God goes back. The story isn't done. It comes back around to Zechariah, and it just makes me excited because the story doesn't end in silence. Uh, Elizabeth gives birth, and uh, and uh, they're deciding to name this this boy. Uh, and Mary uh, Elizabeth says, "We're going to name him John," and all of her her like well-meaning family members uh, say, "No, you should name him something else," as if this is a committee decision. <laughs> And they motion to uh, Zechariah, and somehow he knows what's going on. 
He says his name is John, and God opens his mouth, and it says he blessed God. And then what does he do? He sings a song of praise. He prophesies, and it's very similar to Mary's. See, God did a miracle in Zechariah's heart over the last nine months. (laughs) Zechariah had nine months of silence so that God could drain out all the despair and all the sadness and all the frustration and fill him with joy and kindness and and faith and hope. Those are four words of faith. His name is John. You know what John means? John means God is gracious. God is gracious. It means Yahweh is gracious. Uh, at the end of his, of his song, there's a line. It says, the tender mercies of our God. Zechariah experienced the tender mercies of our God through a son, <laughs> through John. He experienced the grace of God, and it opens his heart, and he begins to sing. Maybe you've experienced a day of disappointment or weeks, or months, or years of disappointment. Well, God can just come into your life through the Holy Spirit and like drain the tank of anything bad in there and fill it up with joy. That's what this Christmas is. God can come into our lives and fill us with hope and joy and praise, and he does it first and foremost through Jesus Christ and through the promises of God. God offers grace to doubters. God offers grace to doubters, hope to believers, and Jesus to all. This is my kind of closing big idea. It's the the heart of this message. God offers grace to doubters, hope to believers, and Jesus to all. Charlie Brown is depressed and down in a Charlie Brown Christmas. If you don't know what this movie is, you got to go home and watch it. Uh, he's, he's down, and he kind of starts the movie, he's down because of all the, tr- the Christmas traditions, like, they don't bring him any joy. He's written his Christmas cards, but those don't bring him joy. He, he, like, money, consumerism, that doesn't bring him joy. Linus, at the beginning, says, like, you're, of course, you would find a problem with Christmas, Charlie Brown. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest, <laughs> Uh, he tries many things to kind of make himself feel better. He tries to like get involved and be busy. I think we've all tried that. Uh, and finally, in his desperation, Charlie Brown asks, does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And with that, Linus walks out center stage and he reads Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, Lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. God offers grace to doubters, hope to believers, 
Jesus to all. Let me pray. Father God, please fill us with this hope this Christmas, this hope that's not dependent on what's going on in my heart, that's not dependent on what's going on in my life. Just fill us with joy and hope because our hope is dependent on Jesus, on him coming 2,000 years ago, living that life that we should be living, dying a death we should die, and rising again like one day we will also rise. Thank you that Christmas points us to Easter. I pray for the offering. Would you bless it? Would you use it? Father, would you take everyone home safe after the fellowship time? And would we have a wonderful time of worship tomorrow evening? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.